Hello, everyone, and welcome to Disney Rewind, the shows where we watch the films of your childhood and talk the history. I'm still in the review process for a good intro. Today, we'll be reviewing and discussing the 2009 hit Pixar Disney film, Up. This film was the second animated film in history to be nominated for Best Picture. However, it would lose to Slumdog Millionaire, another amazing film, albeit one that we will not be reviewing. Of course, as always, sources will be linked below in the description. Up was released on May 29th to rave reviews. This is the first film we'll be reviewing that's a totally original story, but regardless, we're going to examine the plot anyway and run through it. So let's just give out a big spoiler warning. Um, we're going to go through the plot, so you probably want to see this film first if you haven't. We open the film in the 1930s. A young Carl Fredrickson goes to a film himself, which is always a cool way to open cinema. In this film, like many films of the past, they had an opening short. Um, the opening short is a newsreel that discusses the recently disgraced adventurer Charles Muntz. Muntz had been accused of fictionalizing the existence of a giant bird. After the film, Carl befriends an adventurous girl named Ellie, who he finds playing alone in an abandoned house, talking about um, adventure and exploration, something Carl's passionate about. She confides in him that her dream is to live in Paradise Falls, a fictitious South American tropical forest highlighted by a humongous waterfall. She plans to do so in the abandoned house that she's playing in, one that we see her and Carl actually buy together after they grow up and fall in love. Despite pooling savings, the two never make it to the falls, but still have a life of normalcy for the most part. Their car breaks down, something leaked, a uh, piece of a tree fell on the roof. You know, these are, these are things that adults have to spend money on sometimes. For an unexplained reason, the two's life are completely shifted for the worse as they find out they'll never be able to have a child. Despite these sorrows, the two retire after a lengthy career of doing what they love and living what can only be described as a very happy life. As they get older and older, Carl finally buys the plane tickets to the falls, but Ellie suddenly falls ill and dies, not allowing them to go together. In the present day, Carl is struggling not to lose his home from a predatory real estate agent. And by present day, I mean 2009 when the movie was released. After an encounter between a construction worker and Carl gets violent, he's, the decision regarding his home is made for him. He gets arrested. Basically, he gets into a physical altercation by accident um, and bats a guy in the head with his walker, which causes him to bleed. So the uh, predatory real estate agent capitalizes on that and uh, forces him out. When it's time for him to vacate, he opts out of the forced placement in the retirement home by turning his house into an aircraft using thousands of helium balloons. What Carl doesn't realize is that a young wilderness explorer uh, was on his porch during liftoff. Carl and the young wilderness explorer Russell have had a small history, as Russell had talked to him earlier in the movie about getting a assisting the elderly badge by helping him cross, quote, anything. After a storm blows them away, they find themselves on an area of land adjacent to Paradise Falls in South America. Through hilarious shenanigans, the duo meet up with a talking dog named Doug and even manage to find a member of that bird species mentioned at the beginning of the film, who they dub Kevin. The team then runs into some of Doug's peers, a bulldog, a Rottweiler, and a Doberman, all outfitted with the same uh, speaking device Doug has. They are taken to the lair of Charles Muntz, who um, quickly bonds with Carl and invites them to dinner. Russell accidentally mentions that they have found the bird and uh, know about that she has a a bunch of eggs and uh, or she has past eggs at this point a bunch of babies she's trying to return to Muntz who has gone mad with isolation 
convinces himself that they're trying to steal his bird and attempts to kill them. Muntz manages to kidnap the bird who comes to their rescue, but also sets fire to Carl's house. Carl can either salvage the house or choose Kevin the bird and decides to go with the house because it reminds him of Ellie. Carl at this point has given up, but he is persuaded to continue and save Kevin by Doug and Russell and uh, by a series of notes left by his wife that he's never seen before. With the newfound courage, Carl along with the heroes battle Muntz and send him falling to his death. Carl and Russell uses Muntz's airship to return back to the States and the house that Carl fought so hard for was left behind. Not all is lost as it gently floats right next to where Ellie wanted it. Tears ensue. Carl adopts the Legion of Dogs and awards Russell personally with his final badge. All is good in the world, we smile, and the film ends. Back to Disney. Director Pete Docter began writing this film in 2004, uh, drawing influence from his personal struggles with social situations growing up. Um, I know he quoted about a fantasy wanting to kind of just fly away and escape from moments. Director and writer Tom McCarthy helped write the film, um, you can see a good example of his work stemming from uh, high-profile films like Spotlight. There was no fear about the film surrounding an older character as he felt the humor would be richer and more applicable, applicable to parents and that children would view Carl as a grandparent in that role and emotionally connect with him that way. Earlier forms of the films were vastly different from the ones we got. The first draft of the film told the story of two brothers uh, vying for the throne who fell to earth from an alien city above the clouds. They learned to love and understand each other with the help of a bird on earth. This film, in my opinion, slightly resembles Onwards, um, but I have no sources to suggest that's true at all. This was felt to not be very interesting and was scrapped. The next two drafts included a plot featuring a Soviet spy ship disguised as a cloud and a Fountain of Youth side plot. Both of these were thrown out in favor of the final film we received. Portions of the script... Uh, dealing with the emotional aspects saw help from Joe Grant, who died before the film's release. Scenes and themes dealing with death and aging was something that was something that the director lived during this film's inception, seeing many of his friends from work and Disney age or die, and uh, wrote a lot of that into the script. The character of Carl was largely based off Spencer Tracy, a Golden Age Hollywood actor. The first story outline of the final draft, so this is the one with the Fountain of Youth, saw Carl without much of a purpose. This is why South America was added to the film, finalizing the plot. Uh, Doug was added because he's funny. Yes, this is the reason, and I found an interview where it's pretty much stated as that. Dr. Ian Dunbar was hired to serve as a consultant for dog behavior, pack mentality, and physiology, as well as dog bone structure and movement. He is a veterinarian. Russell was actually the last character to be added in order to make the film feel more cohesive. Previously, it felt episodic and like it had no fluidity to its plot. Influences on the film include Hayao Miyazaki. Influences on the film include Hayao Miyazaki, The Muppets, Peter Pan, Dumbo, and The Wizard of Oz. Uh, Hayao Miyazaki, of course, is behind some of the best anime movies from Japan and really from kind of everywhere, and is the face of Studio Ghibli. The character of Charles Muntz was based off Howard Hughes, who was a famous pilot amongst a slew of other things. Paradise Falls was modeled after the mountains of Kanemia National Parks in South America. A few animators from Pixar, including the director, went on a hiking, off-roading, and helicoptering adventure to reach the peak. They also spent a majority of time reviewing the fauna of the area, but felt that if they added it in, it would feel too cluttered, thus opting out of adding bugs and other small birds or mammals around. Kevin the Bird was based around a Himalayan model, which is about the size of a pheasant or a grouse, but has that coloration. 
Um, they made frequent trips to a local zoo where the bird was kept to study its movement and kind of just look at how they wanted to animate Kevin. These birds are absolutely adorable. I'll link a picture in the description. Russell is Korean-American, making him, to my knowledge, I'm, I'm like 100% sure, uh, that he is the only Korean Disney hero. He was actually modeled after a Pixar animator who worked at the studio, and everyone agreed that they kind of acted like Russell would. When designing Carl, the director wanted to avoid unappealing stereotypical features of the elderly. Instead, they made him very square to suggest he is standoffish and grumpy, which invokes a more comedic, albeit still stereotypical, look at the elderly. The balloons vary in number depending on the sequence. This was done to create more of an aesthetic view depending on the situation. The true amount of balloons needed to lift the house off the ground could not be shown in a pleasing or coherent way just due to how many you would need to animate. Up was scored by Michael Giacchio, who had previously scored The Incredibles and Ratatouille. The film relies on the idea of reprises of musical themes to invoke emotion in a nostalgia these themes change slightly depending on the character's emotions at the given point in the film the score actually won an academy award a grammy a bafta and a golden globe for its quality the film was initially shown along with a live show called lighten up which featured many disney characters this was obviously phased out for the wide scale theater release and just limited to the first showing for obvious reasons I couldn't find a description of the event, but it seems like a big dance number featuring various well-known characters. I actually have pictures um, from the El Capitan Theater where they uh, debuted the movie in the description. Other tie-ins include a book all about Doug for kids and a couch lifted by balloons that interviews can be conducted in. The second item uh, was not a commercial release, obviously, and served as a publicity stunt for the film. Not a lot of toys were produced for the film, as kids would not be super interested in playing with an old man. Before the film released, it was privately shown to Colby Curtin, who was suffering from vascular cancer. She actually saw it and died seven hours later. She was ten. Three shorts were created to promote the film. These were known as episodes. They deal with some humorous situations that Carl and Russell get into not shown in the film. In the first episode, Russell shows off some animal calls. In the second episode, Russell attempts to dress a minor wound Carl sustained. And in the final episode, Russell attempts to capture the Snipe, a fictional creature that is heavily referenced in the film's first act. I would do a What's Been Happening in America before we talk about the box office success, but I went over it last time. These, this movie came out in 2009, like I mentioned previously, so did Princess and the Frog. So there's really no point in addressing that again. Up earned a metric ton of money, grossing $753 million worldwide. The opening weekend audience was 53% female and 47% were under 17. I usually don't consider these metrics important, but food for thought. The film has seen decent staying power, being highly regarded as a classic. Up has seen its about two or three video games, and Russell's been featured in Connect Pixar Heroes and also Lego The Incredibles. So, decent staying power, but not not to the level of other uh, Pixar movies that are very iconic and Disney movies. Let's talk talent. Ed Asner played Carl. Portions of the script were actually written with Asner in mind, making him an easy choice for the role. Um, Further revisions of the script featured line reductions to better fit the cadence and tone of Asner's voice and kind of bring the character to life. Jordan Nagai played Russell. Originally, Jordan did not try out for the role his brother did. On what I can only imagine was small talk or maybe just a feeling, they decided that he was perfect for the role and wanted him to try out. Uh, This was a decision that was supported by some in the Asian-American community as they felt that the character was Asian for no reason other than being Asian. Um, 
Individuals appreciated the lack of stereotypes we usually see with Asian uh, characters, such as uh, an ability to do kung fu. It was just nice to see a character who was Asian just because it's America. There are plenty of Asian Americans. Other important actors who appeared include John Ratzenberger, a frequent Pixar collaborator and a member of the greatest show of all time, Cheers, and Christopher Plummer, who played Charles Mutz, uh, adding to his very impressive filmography. Pixar seemingly had its cake and ate it too. They created a widely successful film based around a difficult and not seemingly kid-friendly plot and also made a ton of cash. But what did we think? And we're back after the short... um, Musical interlude? Maybe not. I don't know. I hate I hate saying that because I add extra work for myself in the future. But what you just heard me talk about the history up. Now we're going to hear some friends and family of mine talk about the, the movie. All right. So we're joined by... Rebecca, a.k.a. Mom. Steve, a.k.a. Steve. <laughs> Actually, the better of the two Vlam siblings. Stop that. Um, so we watched up, totally just watched it like last night, um, and we're recording this next day. (laughs) (laughs) As promised. Yep. But, uh, Ashley and I have brainstormed some discussion questions. Oh, nice. Yeah, so here we go. Oh, that's exciting. Wow. So, first one, portrayal of loss. Did we think up was well done with its portrayal of loss, or was it a mischaracterization of the most difficult part of some people's lives? You can, start, you can There's no raising hands. Oh, um, so there was loss throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it good? Was he? Oh, I thought it was a great portrayal. That was my my opinion. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, so he loses his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what other loss happens? Well, I feel arguably almost every character in this movie deals with loss. Yep. So you have Doug having the loss of his pack. You have. Uh, what is the kid's name again? Russell. Russell. Russell, loss of his father. Yep. You have Carl, loss of his wife. And you have the famous guy, loss of his fame. And That's true. All that. I, I like how they portray different ways to deal with loss, both the good and the bad. Like we said, um, oh God, what's the famous dude's name? Charles Muntz. Charles Muntz had a very negative sort of reaction and did what you aren't supposed to do to move on. And Carl had the same thing. He didn't move on either, but by the end of the movie, he learned how to. And you could see Russell was dealing with his dad, not perfectly, but he's also a kid, so he was doing the best he could as someone who's, like, what, 10? I have never met a 10-year-old who deals with loss like that. I don't think he was quite 10. How old no, was he I don't know. About, probably like 13, 14. No, he's younger. No, there's no way he's like 8. I yeah. thought that's, Maybe, why, yeah. that's why I said 10. I thought he was somewhere in oh. between. But you don't Might see kids eight. dealing with loss does like it, that. Does you, it say how old? It I looked? can look it up. But is that um, true? Do Can can kids process loss? Absolutely. They can process loss. Kids like, process everything. Some of the they kids, just do it differently. Some Sorry, of the guys. kids I worked with when I was a camp counselor would tell me a lot of personal stuff that I won't get into, and they didn't process loss like Russell did. He's he did no- it in a more mature manner than most kids would. He didn't process it at all. No, I don't think ta- he dealt he with it. He was just anyway. telling stories when something triggered his memory which is what kids do yeah 
He did it perfectly. Yeah. Kids don't sit around and say, I need to tell you I'm feeling sad, blah, 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 unless they're trained to do that. Kids Usually. just overshare. <laughs> What's that? Kids just overshare. They well, just... they share. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's nine, so we were. No, aha! So we were now. Now ten is equally as far as nine as eight is. Thank you, math major. Um, Do you have obsession in your list of things? No. Because every character also was not blinded, but driven by a major obsession. Oh, what was Russell's? Very true. He to get to get him. Him. <laughs> in the elderly. Yes. So, um, Russell's obsession also had to do with his dad. If you think about it, because he thought once he would get the badge, his dad would be there to pin it on. Him. Yeah. I don't, no, because well, at the no. end of the movie, he's waiting for his dad. Yeah, but yeah. I don't. I don't think that's his driving character. It's not factor. his driving thing, yeah. but he also once wants doesn't to find the go. bird. The bird wants to get back to her kids, and Duff. Carl's just obsessed with the house and. The past. He's obsessed with the past and keeping it. You know, every time the house got dented, he would, like, lose it. Yeah. And, you know, in that storm, he was running around doing all kinds of Russian gymnastic flips to keep everything from breaking. Right. So, and then finally, when he has his breakthrough, he completely trashes the house and turns everything out of it. But that's because his ability, oh, yeah, good point. ability to let go and mourn is closely tied with his obsession over his house. Because that's like the last thing stopping him from fully letting go of Ellie. Right. And months could never let go of the past. Uh, our second point, fatherhood and the role of heroes. What Up has to say about growing up. Mm. Yeah. So mm. I, I love these little titles I can write. <laughs> Such a loser. Anyway, I just think like Carl looks up to Charles Muntz, but Russell kind of looks up to Carl. So it's kind of the cyclical nature of of. Uh, having a hero in that sense, and of course, there's there's parenthood all over the movie. Carl and Ellie's inability to conceive, mm-hmm. Ca- uh, Carl looking after Russell, Russell having an absent father, and even like Kevin uh, trying to go babies, back to her yeah. babies. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's a girl. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Um, some some nice heartfelt moments. Russell's dad's a real schmuck though. Oh, yeah. well, we we never meet his dad, right? Yeah, yeah. I know he's a real schmuck. I mean, he's too busy true. with his new wife. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Because his stepmom mm-hmm. says to a nine-year-old boy, "You're distracting him, or you're bothering him." Yeah, yeah. It happens all the time. Happens all, all the time. time. It does happen a Even lot. happens to ten-year-olds and eleven-year-olds. Oh, that's gross. I think it's interesting to see how the characters reflect on who was their figure growing up, like their parent figure, because Russell could have been super bitter about everything, and instead he turns it into determination to prove himself, Mm -hmm. even to this crabby old man he doesn't know who keeps telling him to leave. He tries his hardest to make someone, like, proud of him to impress someone. I don't know that he was doing it to impress Not anyone. to impress. Well, I think it was just to... I feel like he just he, wanted the damn badge. But yeah. I feel... Why does he want all the badges? Because it's... Because he's, he's a just scout. a kid with a with an a, a obsession. It's a, it's a title. Hmm. Right, but Even just, if you don't, like, outwardly go to impress someone, there's that bit of there there that's like, if I get every single badge. Hmm. I don't know. I think you're reading into it. I don't think he has Isn't that, that, like... the point of this podcast? Well... I just disagree. I think he has goals, but it has nothing to do with material superiority. Well, I'm not saying material superiority. Well, but that is kind of, you know, the whole idea of 
wanting to prove that you're better than someone else, even I, with something mundane. Wait, I never said prove you're better than someone else. No, he's, well, he's proving his worth. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. really have a father to tell him, uh, he's, you're doing a great job, you're good. He's like, well, I can do this, I can get every badge. Yeah. I don't know if they're closely was, tied. Well, I was a little surprised that the mom wasn't there for the badge. She was. She, she was. was. She was sitting well, yeah, they showed her sitting and smiling oh, and waving. Oh, I'm yeah. waving, okay. I... I do. I feel like it's a Boy Scout rule that the mom can't pin the badge, but we're not going to go into that. No, I think it's just a. I don't way need to, to look that up. I will actually look it up later. But well, they weren't Boy well, Scouts. It would be different. Uh, not Boy Scouts. Or Boy Scouts is Scouts. Yeah, True, since the yeah. Scouts got liberalized. Um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. But kidding. I hope so. I'm kidding. It, it, it did not. But there, ha- there had to be a reason why she wasn't pinning the badge on. Mm. I well, think it was just my a time in the Cub Scouts. There were plenty of mothers. Our den had a. Den Our mother. den. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you were a Cub Scout. Yeah. That was back when you actually were doing it in caves, right? Yeah. Oh, uh. yep. <laughs> but I still had a little book, and I had to do all these dumb activities to get my mom to sign off that I did them. Did she sign off? Yeah. Did you do them? Yeah, yeah. Or did she just sign blindly? Oh, they were pretty similar. Were stupid. I remember one was like I had to do a certain jump from standing still, jump 45 degrees to the left. <laughs> You're kidding. You'll never know when a scout needs that. Well, but what badge was that? Well, that was an activity. I had to keep going so that I could make it to the wee blows that I never did. (laughs) He's getting getting up miles. You go to the Boy Scouts. Why didn't you make it? Well, I guess I lost interest. Oh, I'm sorry, honey. That's all right. Did you ever assist the elderly? No. That no. would be a Boy Scout thing. <laughs> no, you used to throw rocks at, at the mall. Paper. They used to have a store, one of those stores at the mall, Plymouth Mall, was actually a scout store. Really? Way back when, where they sold the uniforms, the books, the this, the, all the crap that went with being Pocket a, a Boy Scout. Probably. I never yeah. went in there because by then I was out of the... Uh, scout phase. Scout phase. Scout phase. What was after your scout phase? Women are <laughs> our drugs or oh, women. I don't think so. Guitar. Yeah, I don't definitely don't think so. But to your parenthood question also, uh you could see it with during the wedding, how Ellie's family was oh, very yeah. loud and rambunctious, which mm. reflects off her personality when we first meet her, which is very loud, crazy hair, and how um Carl's family they, I don't know how to describe them. They just sort of... Reserved. Uh, very yeah. reserved. That's and a great word. he doesn't speak as a child at all, except for, like, the small little noises and I think, like, maybe one or two words. You know, well, he didn't speak for the whole beginning of the movie either. Yeah, so I think you... And then you see them rubbing off on each other as they get older, obviously. But, like, that's part of showing the parenthood thing. Well, that brings us to the next question. What is left unsaid? The usage of silence to tell a story. Did mm. we think it was well done here? I mean, it's clear that it was... Yep. The whole opening sequence is a six-minute montage of a musical score. Yep. yep. Extremely so. well done. It's like the best of show, don't tell. Yep. Yeah, just... I think audiences feel smarter when they can infer things, even mm-hmm. if it's, like, tickled in their face. But I prefer a film to let me figure it out myself than have to deal with your uh, hoity-toity mm-hmm. explanations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, Disney does that occasionally because uh, Wally, around That's the same excellent. time, yeah. had a huge sequence without. The whole movie, I the think, movie. is mostly yeah, silent. Yeah, the entire movie. Right? Except for like the when he meets the humans on the chairs. But yeah. right, right, and it still is engaging as a child. Oh, it's, it's still so very good. engaging. 
Oh, I know. I love taking you guys to that. It made me so happy. It was a great film. That was fantastic. Oh. Goes back to the silent film era. Yeah. You definitely had to show, not tell. I don't know. You had those stupid cards. Well, you had the looking cards, looking but the idea was to have as few cards as possible. Yeah. Uh, what other examples of uh, silence did they use? I'm trying to think of some. Definitely well, when they had the scene where he turns off his hearing aid, and all you can see in the background was is the storm. Russell yeah. freaking out and like <laughs> trying to get his attention. Yeah, that's and you see right. the clouds slowly darken. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah, that amazing. scene is outstanding. I don't really know how they got from like New York City to South America in the span of like twenty minutes. They like, didn't. Oh, he, did he, he pass passed out? out. Oh, he right. just fell asleep. Oh, or very after, clever. Yeah. Very clever. Yeah, but it's still taking a long time. A flight going six hundred miles an hour. Hey, it's a kid's movie. Who knows? <laughs> Listen, that's where you're choosing <laughs> to not believe. His a house, house lifted seven hundred <laughs> feet in the air, and this is where you're having an issue. And apparently, we had to wait for the balloons to go in the air no, I, until I, they like. Yes, that's the my house point. started floating instead of when they're inside the house. The house should have been floating when they were inside the oh, house. I know. <laughs> right, and also, how did he get the balloons? And it would take. He worked at the balloon shop. I think that's well, why. No, he, I know it how you can buy balloons, but how did he? Like unleash them all in those thirty seconds that the men were waiting. They outdoors. just went, flew up the chimney. He like I, I don't know. I'm guessing he just did a thing with his roof overnight where it would de. I don't know. No, they went up the chimney. They went up. Yeah, how do you fit the chimney? They were out the balloons. chimney because remember they had the you strings uh, were three hundred balloons in a chimney. Hundred thousand was a they they calculated at Pixar it would take I think like a hundred thousand. Wow, do you fit that many balloons. Wow. I don't know. He spent his whole career working with balloons. Yeah, maybe he knows something we don't. Because constantly they show in the beginning, if he takes his hand off that balloon card, it starts lifting <laughs> us. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Every single time. It's really good foreshadowing. Yeah. So it'll tie into The Incredibles, I guess. Maybe he could be his own super villain. <laughs> with balloons. Balloon. <laughs> would be a hero. Are you kidding? Oh, when do we get to watch that? Well, when your turn rolls around again. Oh. Um... Yeah, I guess the, I think my favorite moment of the whole movie is when the house just floats gently down into where it was in the the conceptual drawings oh, of their adventure. Cry. Yeah, but there's no audio, you know. There's no like this is what this means. Oh, it made me cry. It's just yeah. left for you to for you to synthesize. No, but, but they had the music. Well, the yeah. music yeah. was like the killer music. And not only that, the music was the same six-note theme. Yes, throughout. Throughout. From the monologue, yeah. eight right? in different ways mm-hmm. in every possible way. Do you want to play it on no. the guitar? No. I like Wh- to do that first. Which brings us to our fifth question out of... Eight notes. Out of five. I skipped three. We'll go back to three. Motifs, uh, music, motifs in a hero's journey. Uh, every mm. single character had their own theme, and it was reprised at their, depending on the character's mood at different times. Huh. It's, it's wow. super interesting to track, yeah. Especially the initial Carl theme is totally, you know, altered throughout the film depending mm-hmm. on what he's doing, but it's the same song structure. Right, throughout. right. Which I think is something that... I forget. I listen to this hip-hop podcast where they break down albums like musically and conceptually. And I think that's something that Beethoven does, and Kanye as well. They, uh, on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, the whole album and some of Beethoven's work have a signature mm-hmm. note structure, and it, uh, it, yeah. it kind of well, recycles to that. Yeah. Oh, v- Wagner was the big thing. Yeah. His molding opera story, everything. The rings have a theme, the gold has a theme, each character's got a theme, and depending on what's going on, they mesh together and come in and out. It's brilliant. It's a lot of work. Yeah. 
Now I need to do something when he wasn't out there being anti-Semitic. Yeah, that's <laughs> How's he gonna? Can't do that twenty-four-seven. How's he gonna get his rocks off and there was no Jewish people around? That's right. Um, I guess the final point: uh, manifest destiny versus conservation. Carl's similarities and differences from the explorer Charles Muntz. Because uh, Charles is very manifest destiny. Carl, I think, starts the movie the same way, but by the does. end, he deeply cares about this bird. And it's fecundity to bring it into my ecological And he cares world. about Doug, too. Yes. He brings all the dogs home. Yeah. Well, he had a life, too, with another person. Yeah. Unlike Carl Muntz, who uh, had Lived a life with, with a bunch of dogs. Yeah. So many dogs. <laughs> yeah, there were, like, hundreds of dogs. Teaching uh, Epsilon, the yeah. four-star chef. <laughs> <laughs> the other dogs who would serve hot dogs and then steal them when Russell wasn't looking. <laughs> the things you noticed here. Yeah. Well, Russell had a lot of the physical comedy of the entire yeah. time. Uh-huh. He had the majority. It was a nice playoff. I guess we can start moving into just how he felt. It was a nice playoff. We did not talk about it at all, though. Well, we'll come back to it. Okay. We're just we're just rocking a conversation around. Carl is very kind of the straight man, and then Russell does all the kind of insane, zany stuff. Yeah. He throws his GPS out the window. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he poops, but he's yeah. like, doesn't dig the hole first. <laughs> first. I tell you first. Yeah. I had the uh, one-liner. <laughs> I don't know. I think the majority of us can say from experience, it definitely felt like watching a kid. Like, yes. Like, it oh, felt yeah. like having to be in charge of a kid. Obviously, I don't have he, children. He was in charge of a kid. Yeah. He was completely in charge well, of a kid. Well, you were a camp counselor yeah, for that's a while. Exactly. Yeah, that's why we have the experience. Which is arguably worse. Because there's no, right, you don't know him. There's no follow-through. I was, a, <laughs> I was a nanny last summer, and it felt like I owned those kids. Yeah, that's, oh that's nannying for yeah. you. Uh, but no, that's definitely what it feels like to have a kid. Except... Russell was super well behaved and listened to Carl. That's true. For yeah. the most part, for the yeah, most he still part, was like, doing the, the dragging scene where he yeah. like doesn't want to walk. Oh, that was I've ever seen. And I had to ask the kid, "Do you want me to carry you to the library?" And he was like, <laughs> "Yes." And I was like, "I hate this." A Pete Doctor who wrote it. He he had two small kids at the time. In fact, one even has a speaking part in the movie. Really? Young Ellie is actually his daughter, Ellie. Oh, wow. I had no idea about that. Yeah, so you figure he'd, he'd have that viewpoint yeah. with young kids because he had at least one that age. Yeah. Getting in all sorts of rambunctious trouble. Yeah, but Carl and Charles are similar characters in regards to kind of their goals. But what uh, what differentiates the two of them? Kind of like everyone else was saying, just this idea of one having a life and the other really just having this obsession that he can't Mm -hmm. get over. And, like, I think, too, a big turning point for Carl is kind of him letting go of Ellie and letting go of the house. And kind of that switch is kind of him switching from Muncie's mindset to his own. And that that came when Ellie gave him permission to live his life. Yep, yep. But you could see it a bit before, like, during the dinner scene when they see Kevin, Carl could have easily went, that's the bird, please take the bird away from us. He didn't have to go, no, there's nothing there, I'm scared for my life. He could have looked, uh... No, but he wasn't that kind of a guy. I know he wasn't, but that's the difference. You could see a turning point there, too, where he didn't go take the bird away, even though he acted like the bird was such a big nuisance. I don't think it was a nuisance, but he wasn't violent. He wasn't violent, but... The difference is that Carl actually cares about yeah. it as an entity. Charles Muntz cares about it as a 
as a conquer, like yeah. a thing well, to me. Well, as proof, yeah. as he said, he went right. No, Carl also had a life with another human. That's yeah. true, yeah. Even if it was just Ellie and then everybody sold balloons to. So that was a lot of experience with kids, too, because that's who buys balloons. I think they represent the two kinds of people you see in, uh, in conservation science right now. There's people who just kind of want to have things as prizes and, like, own them. Like a certain uh, Netflix show that I watched over the quarantine, and then there are people who are actually about to care about the conservation of animals. But you can this is applicable or applicable to tons of different scenarios between the two. It's just it's a difference between like a shared experience and like something to brag about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Munt said uh, was a, was pretty much a murderer at least three or four times. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. He murdered a few people. Murdered a few of the people that uh-huh. showed up. Yeah. And probably were doing what they said they were doing. Oh, at least certainly. at least one or two of them. Were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anybody else cared about that bird. No. Yeah. So, what did we think of the movie overall? Um, you mean scores? Oh, did we talk about Doug yet? No, we're yeah, still we talking. Did. We're still oh, having no. a conversation about the movie. I'm just saying, like, what. I don't know. Has this aged well? Do you remember when you first saw it? Beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. I cried then. I cry now. I think it still holds up. I don't up. think it's aged at all. Yeah, yeah. No. I think it's. I think no. it's still very in the now. I think I might just be lucky with the story because there's nothing that's really changed over time. It's really basic stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. A lot of fantasy that's not going to change. It's just a very relatable thing, like to dream to fly away somewhere. And then having that happen. Well, even experiencing loss yeah, and like no. trauma is a very uh-huh. is a thing that binds us all on this earth. And it's interesting because when I saw it, what year did it come out? Like two thousand nine. Same 2009. year as Princess and the Frog. Wow. I was like eight years old, and I hated it because I didn't want to go see it in the theaters. And I rewatched it, and so I fell 11. in love. It's eleven years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I mean, no, it's the only thing that dates that. Even a little so bit is the old newsreel. Here's Charles Munch. No, but that's supposed that, to be that took that's, place that's, in the yeah, 30s. It was like the 30s. No, I know, but that's just what that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, but eventually you'll find people that won't even know about newsreels. Yeah, yeah. yeah you already like, have found people who yeah, don't know it's like, about what newsreels. What the heck was that? Don't they just show the movies? Yeah. Right. It, right, movies there was a time the when there were no no commercials in movies. Either. Yeah, there was a time when all the credits were in the beginning. Yeah, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star Wars. How, how did I guess now Star Wars is the end. How did you feel when you finally got a credit at the end? Did it feel good? Yeah, because the movie started right away. I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's bad for everyone who's going to show up late though to yeah. uh, skip the <laughs> skip yeah, the credits. Yeah. And this is a very relatable film. I actually like this more as a twenty-two year old yeah. than a. Than a, what, 10, 10 year old? You would have been 10 because like I was, no, you would have been 11 because I was turning uh, 9 that year. I don't know, I can like, I never experienced it to that extent, but I can synthesize and empathize what loss and death feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's funny as a kid, it's entertaining as a kid, and I knew that I was, I knew that I should be sad for a reason, mm-hmm. but now I know why I'm supposed to be sad. I had no idea what a miscarriage was or not being able to conceive. Yeah. I never picked up on that either. And I thought they were crying. I knew the baby wasn't going to make it, and I just didn't know how. You don't know that she had a miscarriage. I don't think she No, I think she's just infertile. They never showed that she was pregnant at all. Yeah, I think she's just 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 wanted to get pregnant. Well, that's why I also said that she couldn't conceive. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that as an Mm eight-year-old, but 
I also knew something was wrong when they tried to have a baby. Right. They couldn't, right. And now that I'm older and I know what those things are. I don't know. It's just, yeah. It's just very... It's a, it's a movie that I think I will watch more than once in the rest of my lifetime and experience it differently each time depending on my Where lived you experiences. Are in life, yeah. yeah. I think just, you're right. That's a good point. Can, can yeah, your suspension of delete belief will probably change. Yeah. <laughs> like, as you watch it. It goes from how do those balloons work and the last time my suspension was like it took them that long to figure out they could have bought plane tickets. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, true. They were retired. They must have had money. Yeah. Why did they wait so long for that one? Also, oh, yeah. can we talk about how she died after he bought plane tickets before he was going to show her? Oh, that's like, just dramatic irony. I know, that killed me. That oh, killed she me didn't. Then. I don't think she died right away. They didn't she buy just, plane tickets. They were saving up for it, but he then had things them. kept happening. No, he had them. Yes, yeah, but yeah. before yeah. Yeah, well, they were the saving up. Fit. They had yeah. a new roof. Right. But they, then they finally bought the plane tickets. He put them in the picnic basket. They went to their spot, and she passed out on... Well, wow. yeah. I don't think she died right there. But. She didn't die right no, she there, but the you she knew she was going to die. Yeah, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. But everyone and he knew she was going to die. Because that's what Disney does. He kills yeah. the mother. <clears throat> Pixar did that way before Disney linked with them, though, too, which is super weird. I think it might just be like a kids' movie thing. It's either the mom's evil or the mom's Finding dies. Nemo is uh, an example of that. The mother doesn't die in Finding Nemo. Yes, she does. She's eating my barracuda. She tries to save the eggs from the barracuda. I just never watched that scene because I didn't like it. So when we watched it over and over again, I always skipped past that. Oh, that's why I never remember it. Your dad would watch that part. How do I remember that if he skipped over it each time? Because we took you to the theater. The first time we certainly saw it. Yeah. It was a DVD, God bless him. What's the other movie where you always skip the first one, too? Star Wars, we always skip the first scene. I don't know. No, you oh. every time we watch it, it's, it's one of Marvel you movies. Don't, you don't. Oh, Marvel. Oh, I'll have to think about it. With a rough start? Oh, oh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. Yep. Wait, Where the mother dies. Uh, no, Dad that's two. Doesn't. That's two. No, one. No, one, the mom dies. The mom yeah. dies. Oh, yeah, I guess she does. Dad does But you would know because it's like, no, oh, it's not, you know. All right, I already know that she dies, so all the yeah. character motivation is in my head. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> well, you don't like repeated trauma over yeah. and over again. Right. Let's just go to the first scene where he's dancing to uh, that Redbone song. Yeah, so let's talk about the characters, side characters. Uh, Disney obviously does them well. Uh, did we like Kevin and Doug? Side? Yes. I, yeah. don't, I don't think they're side, though. Well, they're comedic relief. Hmm. Uh, Doug's pretty complete. Doug's got a whole arc. He becomes Alpha Dog at the end. Yep. And he hooks up with a uh, good master. He's pretty cute, too. He's so cute. He adorable. is adorable. He's a big boy. And it's a nice thing with all the dogs, even the bad dogs, that they would just stop and like point and scroll <laughs> all of them. I like that all the dogs get the redemption though. Like Well, yes. it's not their fault. It's not their fault at all. They were trained to do this yes. and then they get to live normal dog lives. Yep, you're absolutely right. I think that's a very important thing that they did. And I love dogs. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure Charles Munt sent them all off in the really hazardous submissions. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah he did. <laughs> He put them in the cone of shame when he was mad. <laughs> right. Did Not he only cone have one shame. cone of shame? It looked like he only had one via... One million dogs or something. Well, not all the dogs are idiots. It was just Doug. He was the smartest of them all. <laughs> yeah, he didn't get his voice chip broken like the alpha dog. That wasn't He wasn't evil, but... 
<laughs> and Kevin was just great. Talk yeah. about just being able to do totally silent comedy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Silent yeah. comedy. He acted more like a dog also with the tennis ball things. Yeah. In well, a way. Yeah, with was, the, uh, I kept eating the... Yeah. yeah. The cocaine. Um, yeah, but, with Russell, too. And then he had his little, um, what you call it? The babies? No, what do you call it when somebody's got a straight a line they keep saying over and over again? I don't think catchphrase. Oh, catchphrase, yeah, thank yeah. you. What catchphrase? Well, with with uh, with the with Carl, he kept. <laughs> 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 and then one of the little babies would do that too with Carl. Oh, yeah, that's right. And all the babies <laughs> ate the tennis ball. And well, also, they did a great job portraying Kevin as a mother and going through hardships as a mother. Sure, yeah. Like you don't see that in most not animal. Uh, what's the word? Animal focused Disney movie. Well, I don't know, but that was uh, that first time I saw that movie. That was so hard for me to watch when she was uh, when Kevin was hurt and she was away from her babies. Well, Carl finally gets to participate in being a father, even as like a quasi father, because he's you know he's there supporting. Yeah. The, so he finally you know on well, Paradise Falls it took Russell to that ice cream yeah. store. Yeah, and sat in the they, with them. they did the car game. Oh, that made yeah, that made me want to cry too. Of course, with Doug, because we played the car game all the time. <laughs> Which is genius. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. uh, I was just thinking. Are dogs really that colorblind? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We just watched the documentary. Yeah. They're not. They're not. They're not. They don't see black and white. They just don't see like orange. They see green. It's like everything is like a green, gray, green, blue color. They have. You can see blue pretty clearly. They have two receptors. We have three color receptors. Huh. Yeah. yeah, the Ellie mm-hmm. is a side character too. Yeah, strong yeah. and driving the movie even long after she was gone. That's true. Yeah. She is the unseen force. That's right. She really is. She was in the house the same way Norman Bates's mother was in that house. <laughs> 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 well, that Ellie, beca- I think Ellie became the house. Monster House. Monster yeah. House. Let's go. We don't talk about that movie. What? That's such. Yeah, yeah I watched it recently. It was still okay. Yeah, it was fun seeing the ties through the years because I, I was in on a couple of those tie phases towards the end. Yeah, the pet them skinny tie. Oh and, yeah, and the one made out of that weird cloth that was big for about four years in the eighties. <laughs> that woven. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was funny. Yeah. So did he ever learn to do ties by himself? Carl? Yeah. Uh, probably not. Clip on. I, I don't think we saw him in a tie after we she did. Died. No. Well, that's probably their fun little ritual. She would put the tie on for him right before they went to work. It's oh, really yeah, His whole life just changes. I'm kind of know? upset now. I am too. Well, it's just the loss hey, of someone ben. that you've shared your whole life with. Hey, ben, yeah, exactly. Made me depressed. That's fine. But this movie's all about like growing past that and finding love in new ways and kind of being able to accept loss and continue on, have your life and your adventure, I feel. That's true. I think the older you get and you're looking down on that kind of potential loss, though, the more challenging oh, it absolutely. is to think about moving past. I think it's the beauty of Pixar, except for a certain film about animated cars that we won't discuss. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think really... No, no, we're not watching that one. Oh, no, we're watching not no, watch it. Please, please don't make me watch it. No, 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 no. I never watched it in the first place. Ka-chow. I Ka-chow. Ka-chow. Come on, Owen Wilson's great. No. Yeah, Lightning McQueen and Tucker or whatever. I love Owen Wilson. What was the name of that movie? Cars. I'm kidding. Oh, a joke. Well, whatever. They made a Planes movie, so you're really in trouble. 
Yeah, but I think Pixar's at its best when it's writing scripts to that that are bigger bigger than the fantasy world, but still tie very heavily into the like Monsters Inc.'s another good example, you know. That's all I about that movie. That's all about love yeah. and all about they like constantly out Disney Disney. Yeah. Disney no. tries, but they just can't do it. No, they can't. No, they never touch it. No. no. Just Disney, just says, yep. We see what you want to do and we're gonna do it. Disney <laughs> Disney's so scared to tackle adult subjects and Pixar just eats that crap up. Yeah. yeah. Um I think the thing with Carl also is the difference between living in the memory of someone who died and living for the memory of someone who died. Like, I think for the first half of the movie, he's living in the memory, trying to make everything as it was. And then for the second half, he's doing it for Ellie. He's going out to save Russell, because that's what she would have wanted. He's finally living. Like, he was living when Ellie was alive, and then it's like he took a pause, and then he's finally, like, alive again. It's like the most... It's the most emotions he's experienced in any facet since she died. I think Pixar does a really good job at doing familial relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, I think of this movie, I think of Coco, and like... The Inside movie. Out yeah. is a really good example. Monster Inc. even with Boo and Sully. Yep. Mm, Toy yeah. Story, too. Oh, yeah. God, Pixar's so great. Yeah. A Bug's yeah. Life? <laughs> I haven't thought about that movie in years. I, do, I, I remember that, watching that. I blocked that little. movie from my memory. Why? Because it was between that and Ant Bully, and for some reason I liked <laughs> Ant Bully more as a child, so Bugs Life just went gone. Uh. <laughs> Do you know the movie Ants? The animated movie? No, Ants that's the one I blocked out Ants. of my memory. Never it's mind. About, it's about that's communism. A- yeah, what was a bug's life then? Because I was thinking of ants. That's the one with that adorable caterpillar who speaks in like a German. The grasshopper. Oh, I was thinking of bug life. Yeah. And, and, and the circus thing orcus where he ants. has to join the circus. Huh? What's ants? Ants is the one. That was with Woody Allen. Weirdly naked. Yeah, it's a weird movie. I don't remember that movie either. That was weird. And then what was the one with Jerry Seinfeld? The Bee Movie. Is that Disney? No, that's DreamWorks. No, 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 no. DreamWorks is not happening right now. Although DreamWorks did hit a home run with the Shrek. Yeah, for like the first two, and then they're putting out Shrek sixty nine. Like, yeah. is there another one coming out? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to up. Yeah. Yeah. That's enough uh, asides. Let's. I guess this is a good time to move on to ratings. Did anyone have any other points they'd like to point out about the film? Did Russell remind any of you of Ellie a little bit? Because he did for me. And I think that's why Carl, like... Was resentful at first? Was a bit resentful at first, because Russell had the same energy and eagerness as Ellie did. I I don't know how Ellie found Carl's hospital number, but Russell probably could do it, too. I think they just loved... Like, Ellie and Russell are just characters who love everything and just lived life to the fullest every day. And, like, yeah, that's just a nice little... And then the symbolism of Carl giving the Ellie badge at the end. Oh, my Which God. Is that him. made me cry, too. That's actually... Not even leaving the house at Paradise Falls, that's him actually letting go, because that's that's yeah. that's the first thing he got from her. Well, he's putting it... He's giving it to someone who will keep her... Keep the her memory thing. alive. Yeah. yeah, you're never really dead as long as people talk about you. And that's the message. Well, of Coco. I think officially, he'd rather have that other badge too, just for the complete. Belt. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got badge. that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deleted scene where he just sticks his hands out. Like, <laughs> Excuse yeah. me, ma'am. So, what are we gonna rate this movie? We'll start with uh, uh, Violet. <laughs> just staring at her. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Violet, Violet didn't speak at all today. 
What, out of a scale from 1 to 10? Yes. 11. Okay, so rounding that down to a 10? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm an 11 too. Okay, rounding down to a 10? <laughs> I also am giving it a 10. I love this film. Woo! I'm giving it a 10 as well. It's probably just one of the best movies ever made in general. I think I feel comfortable with that hot take. And you can watch it fairly. Yeah. It's got a lot of rewatchability. I need, I need like a year or two. I don't know. I could probably go six months, but I, I need a break. But yeah, I but there's some movies you never want to see again. No. <laughs> Save the Private Ryan. Yeah, I'm going to give it a ten. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is a first. Yeah, I think it actually is. I don't yeah. think Tiny Dots has ever... No, we've never gotten all, all consent. Ten, mm-hmm. ever. Well, wow. um... So you're here in the third episode of Disney Rewind. You found probably statistically the highest episode we're ever going to review. Yeah, I think um, this is the only time I've seen Ben give above a, like an eight. What? No, no I've given ten. I've given some Rod Squad what, episode ten. No, what? That's <laughs> not a Twilight Zone episode. Uh, next week we will be watching. What uh, are we watching? Who Ooh. Framed Roger Rabbit? I mean, we already watched it. We'll be reviewing. Oh, we'll be, we'll reviewing, be reviewing. What do you yep. mean we watched it? We're watching it the day. Oh right, right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. So we'll be watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit and discussing about it, and then it's Ashley's turn. Yes. What are you picking? We'll have to wait till next yeah. episode. We'll have to say it off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, we get crank out some more episodes of these before we move back. There uh, tentatively seems to be an end to this sick-related nightmare in sight, but who knows what'll actually happen? Well, anyway, until next time, this has been all of us in a living room with a cat. And, <laughs> and remember, and remember, loyal listeners, adventure is out there.